We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Colin Kelly here, the executive producer of the Road of His Radio Podcast Network and co-host of the Road of His Overtime Podcast, along with the phenomenal Sean Siegel. The wait is over, the NFL season is here, and there's no better time than the present to sign up for a Road of His NFL Pass. You'll get access to all of our content, all of our tools, and everything you need to help you for that in-season success. As a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL Pass just by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Let's go get those championships. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Raise the tackle, watch out! Burst of speed! Look at this freshman! Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Kenton Podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May, and you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. And you can find my co-host, Stéphane Lico, who does the Later in the Week show on Twitter at Lico. Uh, we've been alternating NFL and college football content and mixing it up back and forth, talking a bit of both here on the show as we always do. But if you're new to the show, we talk about the best football players in the world here. We follow them on their journey from football recruit all the way through their college football career, through NFL draft season, through their NFL career, and even have discussions as to who should be in the Hall of Fame. We always talk some fantasy football because this is a Road of His Radio podcast, but we always make sure to break down some real college football and NFL analysis too. Last week we talked about some production profile pacing through uh, one or two weeks, uh, just to get a glimpse of some of the most productive players in the first week of college football, and uh, Stefan and I topped on and talked some NFL side as well in the later episode of the week, but uh, right now, I know early in the NFL season, going to kick things off with NFL first. Going to talk about a few college football players this week, but really focusing on the NFL side because we're wrapping up week one of the NFL season, heading into week two, and it's always easy to panic uh, anytime we see some of our favorite players struggle in their first game. Oh crap, is he has he hit the age wall? Is he you know, is he going to have a different target share this year? Is he going to uh, you know, get passed on the on the depth chart this year? Should I panic? Should I uh, trade him in my fantasy league? Should I drop him in my fantasy league? There's all sorts of questions surrounding some of the guys who didn't exactly have a slam dunk beginning to the 2021 
NFL season. But before I jump into that, since this is the College the Canton show, I just want to talk about uh, a player that uh, we all kind of left for dead, <laughs> and now he's bounced back and is doing amazing things once again, uh, and is looking like he could very well make his way into the Hall of Fame one day once again, despite him having kind of a uh, sad uh, mental break uh, for a couple of years there, and that is Antonio Brown. Uh, now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and yes, he did just have a fantastic performance in week one, five catches for 121 yards and a score, looking like the Antonio Brown of old. 2019 was basically a dead year, didn't do much of anything uh, for obvious reasons, missed a lot of time. We were not sure he was ever going to come back and look the same, uh, but down the stretch for Tampa Bay last year, he was incredible. He was almost really the wide receiver one for the Buccaneers uh, down the stretch last year. And kicking off this year, looks like he might be in that same position. And so if he can regain some of that old form that he had uh, and, and put on display for six years in a row, posting at least 101 catches six seasons in a row, always posting at least 1,200 plus receiving yards, uh, that kind of dominant one of the greatest of all time to play the position at wide receiver. If he regains that kind of form, the numbers that he's already put up to date for his career are top 30 in terms of receiving yards. And his per game clip, he's actually averaging almost 85 receiving yards per game. That is fourth all time behind only Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, and Michael Thomas. He is ahead of Odell Beckham Jr. He's ahead of DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, Torrey Holt, Marvin Harrison, Jerry Rice, and the list goes on. Antonio Brown, if he can regain his magic uh, from a couple years ago and continue doing what he's already off to a, a start in doing this year, uh, we're going to talk about a player who after this season could easily be around 13,000 yards career, which would put him inside the top 20 all time and probably in the Hall of Fame discussion, uh, even if he retired after this year. So, and, and that's not really a lock at this point. If he actually kind of keeps his all, keeps all of his marbles together and keeps his act together, uh, he could have a couple more productive seasons and just coast into the Hall of Fame. So, just had to just spotlight that guy. Was a huge fan for years and years. Uh, good to see him back. Uh, on the straight and narrow, I guess, as much as he can be. hate to see anybody struggle with mental health issues. So uh, just to see him bounce back from where he was, it's a great thing for him, and it's a great thing for the game of football. But let's just jump in right away to some players that we should or should not panic uh, on when it comes to uh, fantasy football. Because, I mean, that's the question, right? Do, do we panic to panic or not to panic? That That is the question with all of our, our favorite fantasy football players and uh, players that we think uh, are going to be making an impact on our favorite teams. Uh, but on the same team as one Antonio Brown, I have to mention Mike Evans uh, because he did have six targets in week one for the Buccaneers, but that didn't amount to much. He was actually fourth on the team in targets behind, yes, Antonio Brown, behind, yes, Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski. Uh, and that led to only three catches for 24 yards. And what was strange about Mike Evans' performance is that he only had 46 air yards. Uh, the one thing that really typically buoys Mike Evans in every single year is the fact that he's targeted deep downfield and he's targeted at volume deep downfield and when he is he's scoring touchdowns and he didn't do uh, much of either in terms of being targeted deep downfield 
or scoring touchdowns, of course, uh, because this year he's seriously averaging under in just one game, of course, under eight air yards per target. Uh, he seriously averages almost double that on a typical season for Mike Evans. So hopefully that changes. Hopefully the usage and distribution of targets changes in his favor. But I am panicking a little bit, at least in the short term for Mike Evans. Yes, Long term, he is probably still going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, he's put together a ridiculous resume, even when compared to his fellow 2014 classmates. You know that basically the, the best wide receiver class of all time. He has more receiving yards than all of them, more touchdowns than all of them, and he has oh you know just seven consecutive 1,000 yard seasons. So I'm not saying to just panic sell at, at him in all of your leagues and get rid of him, but I am saying I might pivot off of Mike Evans and look for a different stud who has safer volume this year and next, given the cast that's surrounding him. The team is just absolutely stacked. We may, years down the road, look at this Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and seriously have four Hall of Famers all on the same roster, <laughs> one, two, three, four, in the target totem pole. So that's the only reason I'm, I am beginning to panic a little bit for Mike Evans. I probably would wait for a big explosion and then look to pivot off of him in most of my dynasty leagues and even in my single year redraft kind of formats, uh, just given the surrounding cast. Another guy I am concerned about is Chase Claypool because uh, for the Steelers, of course, Big Ben uh, either can't throw it downfield anymore or is just refusing to do so uh, very often. And that's that's a big problem for Chase Claypool and how he plays the game. He is kind of that typically that deeper threat, uh, typically sees target down the field a little bit. And uh, if, if you got a quarterback that can't do that and an uncertain future thereafter and two other targets that are taking a bunch of the volume from you, uh, I'm not sure I can be really confident in Chase Claypool's future on the Steelers in terms of fantasy football, for sure. He's going to be there. He's going to play his rookie contract out and just fine. I'm not I'm not worried about that. But uh, he hasn't been a wide receiver one in any week since week five of last year. So, he, I mean, really, I, I, just look it up. Look, dig into the numbers. Look at it real close. And you'll see that Claypool is essentially living off of height from one single game where he had like 40 fantasy points. So I, I'm really looking for his next big game to happen. And then I'm looking for a safer option with uh, greater volume and a quarterback that doesn't have a noodle for an arm. <laughs> but uh, changing positions here, going over to James Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Great story last year. Undrafted free agent. Uh, comes in and just smashes because, frankly, he's just good enough to look like the Jaguars aren't trying to lose and tank for Trevor. So he, he has a bunch of volume, does okay last year, especially when it comes to fantasy football. But it's clear uh, the Jaguars did not want to go with him this year. They told us so when they drafted Travis Etienne. And uh, they told us again this week when he was only given <laughs> five carries and three receptions, outtouched by a 31-year-old Carlos Hyde. Uh, so you already told us you're more interested in Carlos Hyde, and you really wanted Travis Etienne to be the guy. So long-term, this isn't the play. They're telling us in every way imaginable that they don't want James Robinson to be the lead back ever again. So I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to listen. So the next time he has a big game, whether it's just a couple touchdowns that stack up, whatever happens. I'm looking to move off of 
James Robinson because I am kind of panicking <laughs> if I actually held on to James Robinson. The, the time to trade him is when he has another big game, but really the time to trade him was nine months ago. But uh, if he's still on your roster, you already screwed up that one. There's still likely going to be some value to salvage there here in a week here soon. And another running back that I am absolutely panicking about, as many probably are, after him, you know, of course, being a healthy scratch for the 49ers is Trey Sermon. And uh, but Trey Sermon was somebody that I actually ended up with zero shares of in uh, any dynasty league. And uh, only I think I got him in one late round uh, redraft spot. But seriously, I, I, I like Trey Sermon early on in his career at Oklahoma. Uh, he showed some great yards after contact ability, uh, some great vision. Uh, wasn't the most athletic specimen, uh, and that showed up even you know early on in Trey Sermon's career. Uh, but what happened with him at Oklahoma is he essentially got usurped by Ramondre Stevenson uh, down the stretch in, I guess, 2019. Stevenson just looked better with every single touch, and Kennedy Brooks, of course, looked better with every single touch and had 1,000 yards and was better than him already. So Trey Sermon read the room, and he left town looking for better opportunity at Ohio State. That went great for him. He smashed at the end of his career, had a, a huge, just one of the best months of any college football running back ever, uh, and that got him some day two draft capital with the 49ers. But here's the problem. Trey Sermon has never fit what Kyle Shanahan wants his running backs to do. You know, Shanahan loves the, the home run threats, the quick shifty guys, and that's not Trey Sermon. That's not who he is. That's not who he ever has been. That's not who he ever is going to be. Elijah Mitchell, on the other hand, who the team has already clearly decided is the better fit and the better option to go with after week one, uh, is. So, you know, maybe I, I'm wrong in week two. Maybe I'm wrong by week four. And Shanahan decides, you know, I, I, you know, the flavor of the week is now Trey Sermon because the way that he uses his running backs, he changes his mind about every other quarter or every other snap. But uh, right now, I am definitely panicking with Trey Sermon because that dude never fit the system. Uh, it was a s super productive and a small sample. It's not the most uh, most athletic back. I I'm looking to go elsewhere. You uh, utilize his his age uh, as a selling point. Uh, you know, and maybe one high point of a game. I'm not going to trust that Shanahan is ever going to truly invest and go all in with Trey Sermon. And just a couple of college players that I am definitely panic on, panicking on before I get to some guys that you shouldn't panic on uh, here on the NFL side. Jalen Berger of Wisconsin. I was high on him. A lot of people at Rotovis were high on him. A lot of people all over the Twitter sphere and, and all over college football, even in some pre-season pre write-ups, preseason magazines, they thought Jalen Berger was going to be the guy for Wisconsin. Uh, but the problem was Jalen Berger got nicked up in, in, in camp, and uh, we weren't really sure how healthy he was. And then the first depth chart got released, and he was actually listed behind Ches Malusi, who was <laughs> the running back three or four last year for Clemson. was probably going to be the running back four or five, so he transferred. He was he became immediately the starter. And Malusi's actually looked okay for Wisconsin through a couple games. And uh, Berger's only really played one game, and he had 15 touches. So it, it is kind of promising. Maybe he's going to work back in. Maybe it's just that Berger's not 100% healthy, and Malusi's been the guy who is, and so they're giving him more work. Uh, but Malusi's actually, you know, five yards per carry. That's okay. Berger has not really looked himself, only getting around four yards per, per touch and having no receiving work. Uh, so I am panicking a little bit, having to move him down my rankings. And if this sticks, 
Uh, he's not going to be the back that we wanted him to be. He's not going to get the draft capital that we want college running backs to get. Uh, even though he had decent recruiting pedigree, even though he went to a program that typically likes to feed running backs, right now it's not looking ideal. So just keep, at the very least, keep an eye on that situation with Jalen Berger and Wisconsin. Another guy that I am uh, panicking on is Kevin Harris, running back of South Carolina. It was not supposed to be his show last year, but it turned out to be, and he absolutely destroyed for South Carolina when Marshawn Lloyd went down. Uh, who was supposed? To, Marshawn Lloyd was supposed to be the, the star freshman running back for the uh, Gamecocks last year. Went down with injury, missed the whole year. Uh, you know, Marshawn Lloyd comes back. But people are thinking, you know, Kevin Harris is still smashed last year. They're, they're going to trust him. They're going to they're feed him. At least give it be a 50-50 workload, right? No. South Carolina is a dumpster fire on offense. They're starting, literally starting their grad, grad assistant. They just were like, hey, man, you, you have a year of eligibility. You want to play quarterback? And he was like, sure, man. That sounds fun. And uh, that's who they're playing at quarterback right now. And uh, he's amid a four running back committee with Zaquandre Wright, Juju McDowell, and Marshawn Lloyd. That's a mess. There is absolutely no way Kevin Harris is getting the day two draft capital that we had him slated for entering the season. So I am full-blown panic. Uh, the next opportunity that I see to move off of him, I'm going to do that. Uh, but one wide receiver, before we kick it to some don't panic players, Zay Flowers, uh, wide receiver, Boston College, he and his quarterback actually got injured in the last game, and his quarterback, Phil Jerkovic, is actually out for the year with a wrist injury. That, that, that means terrible things. So Zay Flowers actually had a, a solid production profile. Even after his true sophomore year last year, he was already looking like a 50th percentile uh, production profile-wise, like uh, NFL wide receiver prospect. He had a 50th percentile adjusted production index, one of the metrics that we trust at Rotobase that I actually created. But uh, Zay Flowers was already looking more like a slot wide receiver, like a day two really solid slot wide receiver. But with his profile likely completely ruined this year, <laughs> uh, things aren't looking great for that. So he's probably going to return to school, be a fourth year player. And we got to hope that he stays healthy, hope that he has another solid 2022. And then we might see him come out and get capital in 2023. I was really high on Zay. I was really high on him combining for an excellent season with, with Jerkovic, and now it's not going to happen. So it's, that's just the nature of college football. Things don't go the way that they're drawn up. Players drop out, uh, probably for the wrong reasons in some spots, because he has the talent. Uh, it's just there's so many good wide receivers. It's going to be tough for Zay Flowers to get capital now. But that's enough uh, about the panic. Let's get to some players that we shouldn't be panicking about, even, even though... The beginning to the season was rather rough for them, but we'll get to them on the other side after a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so just to recap, I just went through some players that we are definitely panicking on and looking for a sell-high window here soon. Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, just because of the surrounding cast, really, in the short term. Chase Claypool of the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger's noodle arm, and his his competition for targets, and that offense and how he's being used this year, and the fact that he's essentially living off of just one game of hype. James Robinson with the Jacksonville Jaguars, they've already told us they don't want him to be the guy. Trey Sermon, 49ers, healthy scratch, yeah, hard pass, was never a fit anyway. Jalen Berger of Wisconsin, running back. Kevin Harris, running back, South Carolina, and Zay Flowers, Boston College. But let's kick it over to some don't panic players. <laughs> and uh, I'll kick it off right out of the gate with Calvin Ridley of the Atlanta Falcons. Surprisingly enough, e- even though he had, what, uh, over 1,300 receiving yards last year, absolutely dominated, had almost 150 targets just a year ago, I've already had multiple questions this week about whether it's time to panic with Ridley because, you know, Julio Jones is gone. Uh, Kyle Pitts, who is supposed to come and be this this demigod that uh, is invincible uh, and is going to take all the targets, is here. Uh, But apparently he's actually quite human, which uh, we all should have seen coming in the first place. He's going to be a great tight end, but the dude is human, believe it or not. Uh, But the truth of the matter is when you look closely at what happened this last week, the whole offense struggled for the Falcons, yes. But Ridley still caught five balls for 51 yards on eight targets, and that's his bad game. I mean, this is basically his floor, like without much threat at all for targets outside of the God Kyle Pitts or whatever we want to think that he's going to be at the tight end position. He's going to develop. He's going to be good. But even so, even still, Ridley should feast with at least 130 plus targets again this year. I'm not panicking with him at all. 
And he's the only wide receiver I'm really going to dive into because there are so many running backs that I could talk about that are worth at least considering panicking over uh, because of how they were used or how their offense looked in week one. Uh, but the first one, got to hit up my Titans here. Derrick Henry with the Tennessee Titans. That offense was atrocious. It was embarrassing. It was a nightmare. It was an absolute failure that didn't look anything like it did a year ago. Yes, 20, 20 touches still went Derrick Henry's way, but they were incredibly inefficient. Didn't even eclipse 60 rushing yards on the ground. But, you know, the silver lining is he was actually getting some receiving work did actually see three receptions. He was one of 26 different backs in the NFL that had three-plus receptions this week. You can basically almost never say that about Derrick Henry, but uh, that was the case. So his workload isn't going anywhere. He's still going to be that 20-touch tight back every single week. But what needs to happen is the Titans have to reintegrate more play action into the mix if Henry and the rest of the offense wants to see greater efficiency. I think they'll figure it out. They'll clean it up. And Derrick Henry will get back to being a dominant running back one once again. Speaking of another dominant running back one uh, that we've all grown to love and adore, Aaron Jones uh, of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, finished running back five last year, even missing a couple games. Running back two the year prior. Uh, so I, I'm not really worried about this guy. I mean, coming into this past week, he hadn't logged a, a single game below 9.5 PPR since the middle of like 2019. And really, there are only two games all of last year that he wasn't at least a running back two. And a running back one several times <laughs> leading to that running back five finish. He should easily a trustworthy running back one again this year. So don't don't panic. He doesn't he didn't just magically hit this age wall. Uh, I know we like to discard players as soon as they hit 25 or 26 these days at the running back position, but I'm not worried at all about Aaron Jones. Speaking of another running back I'm not worried about at all, Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, you know, some people, uh, even on Thursday Night Football, people were just, did uh, is, you know, talking like, uh, did Ezekiel Elliott die or did Ezekiel Elliott do something to, to Dak or the coaching staff? And, uh, you know, the, the truth of the matter is he was still on the field a ton and uh, excelling, doing well in every facet of the game uh, that wasn't actually scoring fantasy points. <laughs> he, he was getting pass pro. He was on the field a ton, actually had 15 touches. He just wasn't as efficient with those touches uh, as we're used to seeing. Uh, his floor has really been, in his career, uh, running back 12 on the season uh, since entering the league. So don't, <laughs> don't kid yourself. He is easily going to be a back and running back one, you know, once again, at the very worst uh, outside of this one week. So even in a low, and really, if you look at it, even in a low usage week, his expected points rank uh, was actually 21st, uh, even in like super low usage for what we uh, typically see out of Ezekiel Elliott. So he's going to bounce back. This is probably going to be the low point for him on the entire season. So don't panic with those guys. There are several other players. If you have other questions, I've already had so many questions on Tons of players that people are panicking over. I can't talk about all of them on one show, but for real, reach out to me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. I'll help you kind of uh, sift through some things about who to drop, who to trade, who to trade these guys away to, or, or you know what, what to hold on to. I'd be glad to have those conversations. That's what I'm here for. That's what I love talking through uh, on the NFL side or the college side. If you play in college to Canton leagues or Debbie leagues or NFL redraft, whatever it is, I'd be glad to talk through this 
with you guys. But before I wrap up the show here, just want to talk about a few college players that I am not panicking on if I am in Debbie leagues uh, where I can, you know, where you can roster college players before they're in the NFL or even college fantasy or college the Kenton leagues where, you know, you run side by side college and NFL leagues. I, not panicking over these guys at all. So I entered this year with Mr. DJ Uyunglele as my quarterback one and really number one overall prospect uh, in college heading into this season. That did not look like a great call uh, when Georgia sacked him, you know, like seven times in week one and the entire offense struggled and uh, neither team even scored an offensive touchdown in that uh, Clemson versus Georgia game. And last week, uh, he didn't look much better. He threw a pick. He didn't have to do a whole bunch, but should have done a whole lot better against South Carolina State. Uh, But uh, he basically is, at this point, averaging around half of the adjusted yards per pass attempt that he was last year. Uh, And it's against... uh, Georgia was much better competition, I guess, but South Carolina State was much worse. I don't know. It's just he he looked great against Boston College last year. He looked great against Notre Dame. He has the five-star pedigree, 6'4", 250 pounds. He's mobile. He's strong. Uh, To me, he's still a first-round quarterback, uh, and I'm not panicking with DJ Uyangalele. He's going to find that co- that confidence. He's going to gel with his wide receivers. I don't know if you guys remember this, but Trevor Lawrence in his sophomore year actually started off rather slow as well. I had some people questioning him and questioning whether he was just living off of pedigree. And then as soon as he gelled with, gelled with his wide receivers, he looked like the real deal once again and never looked back. I'm expecting the same from DJ Uyangalele for Clemson. And then another huge hype guy, different position, but uh, Brees Hall, Iowa State, entered this year with tons of hype. The only more productive running back in the entirety of all of college football last year than Brees Hall was Najee Harris, who played for Alabama, which was basically just a, a cheat code for running backs. Uh, but Brees Hall last year, seriously, the only guy who had more Yards from scrimmage, the only guy who had more touchdowns in all of football was Najee Harris. But this year, Iowa State is on the struggle bus right now. Uh, They barely edged out an FCS team in Northern Iowa in week one. But basically, I don't know if you guys are familiar, I may have mentioned this on the podcast already, but Northern Iowa basically just plays keep away in the games that they should lose. They, They run like 60 plays total per game, which is lower than any FBS team at all. Um, and so they basically played keep away with Iowa State and stacked the box and tried to just say, hey, somebody besides Brees Hall is going to have to beat us. So that's, you know, give him a mulligan. But then he played Iowa this past week in the Cyhawk game. Iowa dominated on defense. Seriously, Iowa right now has three defensive touchdowns and four offensive touchdowns. They are a top 10 defense in all of college football. And they shut down everyone. Uh, They picked off Brock Purdy three times. The entire Cyclones offense couldn't do anything at all. Uh, So, yes, two not great showings for Brees Hall through two weeks. But he's going to be fine. He's got two fantastic years on his resume. And he's going to bounce back and and, and dominate uh, some weaker teams down the stretch uh, this year. And and still be, at at the very worst, a, a day two running back next spring. And then last but not least, uh, let's just give you one wide receiver not to panic over <laughs> at uh, the college level. Traylon Burks of Arkansas, six foot three, about 230 pounds, uh, but they play him on the outside. They play him as a big slot, almost in a tight end role. 
Uh, they, they love to use Traylon Burks as just a mismatch nightmare for the Razorbacks. Last year, he gelled with Felipe Franks and, and just blew up. Uh, enters this season with a top three production profile among all returning true juniors in all of college football. Uh, looked amazing last year. This year, the quarterback is bad. Uh, he's a big-bodied mobile quarterback, more so than Felipe Franks was last year. KJ Jefferson is his name. Uh, the volume is not going to be there through the air for the Arkansas offense, and the efficiency is not going to be there uh, as well because uh, KJ Jefferson just can't get the ball to his wide receivers right now in any efficient fashion. Uh, so yes, the efficiency numbers are not going to be great. Burton Traylon Burks' uh, peak season is just going to have to be his sophomore year. But uh, the, the bright side is he's actually still accounting for about 40% of the team's production, uh, around 40% of the team's receptions, and around 40% of the team's receiving yards. And they've only actually had, uh, I think, one passing uh, receiving touchdown through two games. Uh, so he'll get his, he'll he'll break a few big plays, have a, a big day here and there to round out his production profile. Uh, but the volume of that overall uh, receiving and passing offense is just not going to look pretty on paper. So don't let that deter you from the fact that Traylon Burks is still a dominant force. He's just not going to have a huge, uh, you know, 1,500 plus yard season because of the offense that he's in. But I still think at the very worst, he, he just like Brees Hall, is going to be looking at, at the very worst, day two draft capital next spring. So don't panic. Still a top wide receiver in all of college football, Traylon Burks of Arkansas. But that's some names that you guys can indeed panic over and that you shouldn't panic over at both the college and NFL levels. Hopefully that is helpful for you guys. But again, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. And please do leave questions in your rating that you leave wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a five-star review. It really helps the show. I've had some great questions on Twitter. Had some great great questions come in via reviews. I love that feedback. It's been great uh, interacting and getting to know some of you listeners in the offseason. And even some of you continuing to reach out to me as this, as the football season has been kicking off here. But I hope you guys are enjoying all the content, the two episodes per week format that we're doing. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, we're looking forward to doing that all season long. But again, reach out with any questions and we'll look forward to an episode here from Stefan later in the week. Uh, and you guys can look forward to many more episodes here of the College to Kenton podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.